check the puck sat there for a moment. Now York is shot. Score! Ken York's first in the natural. And it's 2-1 Philadelphia. This is episode 93 of the Liberty O. Danny Deemer here with Chris Stumpo. As always, how are you, buddy? You know, we're, we're in the home stretch here. And the, and the young guys are looking good. I'm doing good. I am. Chuck Fletcher's gone. Dave Scott. We'll get into the big news. Dave Scott retired as chairman and governor of the Flyers. Dan Hilferty, who we've talked about in previous podcasts, was named CEO of Comcast Spectacor and will succeed Scott as chairman on April 17th. So we've called for this for years now, Fletcher and Scott to go. We said it it was always going to be the first domino to fall. I mean, this feels like extra credit, though. It really does. It feels good, Danny. I'm not going to lie. I'm really not going to lie. And I can't sit here and be like, oh, uh, I can't root for somebody to lose their job because it's really not what's happening here. He is stepping down. He is retiring. He is handing the role to Dan Hilferty, who, I mean, he hasn't been around for long. And he's already kind of not making moves himself. But like Anthony said on the last pod, introducing himself around the organization, letting his name be known. And we're finally starting to see structure change within the top of the organization, whether that's this news, whether the news of them possibly hiring a GM for the Phantoms. Apparently, according to Anthony DeMarco, they are set to name Alan McCauley as the GM of the Phantoms. So, I mean, they're, they're inserting structure, Danny. Within the I like top. that. So I like that move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was the he was named Flyers Director of Player Personnel on February third of twenty twenty two. So, wasn't that long ago that he was promoted to that position, and he's already kind of being given the the Phantoms GM job, which is have which has been held by Flair, the assistant GM of the Flyers for the last handful of years. And it it, it brought me. I mean, I wrote a blog about it, and I want to know your thoughts on it. Whether it's Chuck Fletcher having the position of president of hockey ops and the GM, or Flair having the assistant GM and doing the stuff for the Phantoms, it all kind of seemed like they just threw jobs at these guys that should be jobs for two or three different people instead of just, hey, here's the GM job, here's the president of hockey ops, and Here's this. And and it all goes back to what Anthony said. I mean, obviously, Chuck Fletcher is to blame for a lot of what he did here. But, I mean, if you really look back on it, and and now that this stuff is starting to come out, that Flair was handling the Phantom side of things, it it really does seem like he, this organization just kind of threw just responsibility, if you will, on Chuck Fletcher, on Flair. I mean, this is just insane that there already hasn't been... Uh, another GM of the Phantoms that there was somebody else handling that responsibility and, and I don't know I like the fact that they're starting finally starting to insert some structure to the top of the organization and a, a part of that problem is the advisors feeling like they have as much or even bigger of a say than the people with those jobs I mean you remember Bob Clark outing Ron Hextall for not drafting the player he wanted to draft well it, it was Ron Hextall's job to draft players it wasn't yours so I mean that it. I always reference back to that quote just because it's it's worrisome. To like the uh, the level of expectation he had, yeah. and the look into the organization to see how much power those advisors had 
on the decisions. It's well, kind of scary, but wasn't that quote? Wasn't that more of Clark saying that the scouts and everybody that worked under Hextall wanted Haskinen and another pick, and it was just kind of Hextall shutting the door and being like, "This is my team. I can pick whoever I want." Kind of thing. I don't think it was. I don't think it was Clark being like, "I wanted him." I think it was Clark being like, "Hey, all of your fucking scouts want this guy. All of your scouts, whose literal job is to find guys." And the top of drafts and tell you what they think. And it was just kind of Hextall shut the door and didn't listen to anybody kind of thing. I think that was more of the message. I don't think it was like Clark's like, yeah, I watched a couple of YouTube videos and like, I really liked the car or, or high skinning or something. But well, like those guys really seemed bitter towards Ron oh, Hextall. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, it, it all had a... I think it was the inaction kind of thing with, with Hexel and how he, he refused to actually take a step forward and actually try to put players around Giroux for a long time. I think that irked them. But then, I, then you come and, and look at recently. I mean, Chuck has been active. I mean, a lot more active than Hexel was. But the activity sucked. So I don't understand how you wouldn't have kind of turned on him. But, I mean, we always go back to how Chuck seemed to have more of a collaborative effort. Like, too many yeah. voices I mean, in his ear. We heard that that quote from Anthony last episode. Don't, don't tell me how to run a fucking hockey team. Like Chuck Fletcher's not saying that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true, true. Exactly. I kind of forgot that Anthony even told us that. That's kind of. I mean, he did say t- take it with a grain of salt. Uh, don't know if it actually happened, but this is. But like I could believe time. it. He's a fiery guy. I remember Hextall freaking out after like losses at Madison Square Garden, just like flipping fucking tables. Could definitely like, see like, it. 2015. Absolutely. Um, but, like, what are your initial thoughts on the whole Dave stepping down, them hiring a GM for the Phantoms? Like, do you, do you feel the same way, kind of? Yeah. Like, like we've said it all year. This was the first domino to fall before you, as a fan, could realistically do the mental gymnastics to get yourself in a place of optimism again. And I'm, I'm happy. I'm content. Like, the young guys look good. I mean, the, the tank effort obviously slipped a little bit but let's i mean it was kind of unrealistic to to slip further anyway so i mean it is what it is young guys look great that that's those are steps you can take in the next season and yeah i mean it's baby steps at this point this isn't going to be a one-year fix we we know that like they're not going to be a contender next year but it feels like a good step one like a good baby step yeah and it, it all starts with building that structure within the top of the organization and hiring the right guys in the right places and this is i guess the first step to hopefully doing that i mean like you i mean you mentioned the the young guys and i mean we'll get in the forest or frost cutter gochier going back to school officially i mean there are a lot of things that we can get into with the young dudes um alexi grandon we drafted him in uh 2022 uh, 220th overall. He finished second in the Q- QMJHL with 55 goals and 14th in the league with 81 points. So, I mean, that's another hopeful diamond in the rough. I mean, we've got Elliot Dayonet, who has already played NHL games with the Flyers this year, playing pretty well for the Phantoms down there. I'm pretty sure he's second in points for the Phantoms. Yeah, second in points. He has 39 points in 57 games. Tyson Forrester is first with 40. Like you said, it, it is nice to see, and it does suck to see your draft stock go down a little bit. But, I mean, the difference of type of talent that you're going to get from 5 to 7 isn't that big of a deal to the point where I'm going to get on this pod and scream and curse at the fact that they were winning. I mean, if they were winning at the hands of Cam Ackeson, Pot and 40, or, or Kevin JVR. Hayes, or JVR, then... 
absolutely I'm getting on this podcast and I'm going to have a problem with it. But it's not that. It's Morgan sure. Frost. It's Owen Tippett. It's Cam York. I mean, you have even Scott Lawton, who isn't technically an older guy, being really, really, really good over the past, I mean, since the new year has struck. Um, it, it's really nice to see, for sure. Um, I mean, we can get into Carter Gauthier right now if you want to. His decision to finally... Finally announced that he's going back uh, to school. What are your thoughts? Uh, just, just to add to, to, to the baby steps thing, it's yeah. just nice to have a year where you can take some positives after a year like last season. Like After last season, like as a fan, you're thinking to yourself, like, is every player bad? <laughs> this whole team is rotten to the core. Does everything need to go? And now there's there's takeaways here. Like that, that yeah. tip of trade was, was good. Frost. Frost is huge, the way he's come on here down the stretch. I mean... I'm so glad to see that out of him. I mean, but yeah, we can get in a cutter Gauthier. It's the right decision. It is the right decision. I, I, mean, I mean, we've been talking about it on the pod for the last, I think, couple couple weeks. It's just, he's got that freshman class coming in with Ryan Leonard, Gabe Peralt, Will Smith. I mean, it's just kind of a no-brainer, in my opinion, for him to go back and be a leader there. I mean, his two teammates, Kevin Kuntar, I think his name is, and then uh, Nikita Nesterenko, they both signed in the NHL, so they're gone. Um, he'll get those young kids in. Another year, more responsibility on his plate as an older player going back to college. It's not going to hinder his development, so I don't really see the problem in it. Uh, I don't really see the problem in not signing him and burning a year of his ELC if he were to play up with the Flyers. Like you said, no problem with it. Not going to hurt his development. Yeah, Excited let him dominate. I think, if, if anything, it helps it. For, you know what I mean? And yeah, exactly. And an expanded role on that World Junior team when he goes back I there. was just going to say that. So. There was, like, some criticism, although I thought he played well. There was definitely some criticism with the way he started the tournament. So it'd be nice to see him just go out there and dominate it. <sighs> that criticism pissed me off, Danny. You know why it pisses me it's off? It's bullshit. Yeah, it's bullshit. It pisses me off because he was asked to play a completely different role on that World Junior team. I mean, look at his line mates. He was playing with Logan Cooley and Jimmy Snuggerud. And he was asked to play that grinding, get in on the forecheck, open up space for these really, really skilled guys type of role. And he did it. And he still scored points. So, I mean, I don't understand the... The, the games that, like, the people are bitching about that he didn't score and they won, like, 9-0. <laughs> so, so it didn't really matter. I know. I know. It's just people always seem to have something to bitch about. Especially when it comes to the Flyers. And- well, prospects, yeah. Like yeah. people are people have straight PTSD when it comes to prospects. They're like, "Oh, you said he's a goal scoring prospect, but I watched this one game on NHL Network for for twenty five minutes, and he hit two posts." <laughs> so, like, right. so you, you got that one. So that means he doesn't have an elite shot, yeah, and, you're, yeah, and you have no idea what you're watching. Yeah, you- Great. Another prospect that we could get into. He email Andre signed his PTO on the 16th, and then finally signed his ELC two days ago with the Flyers. Had two assists in his first two pro North American games. Had a guy jump on me on Twitter uh, because I said first, uh, had two points in his first two pro games, and he hit me with, well, technically it's not his first pro game because he played in the SHL <laughs> for a while, and I was I understand that, but I was talking about his first Wait, two SHL. pro games. Wait, SHL? We're talking about North American pro leagues. Yeah, I mean that's what I was trying to convey. Like, I was like, "Hey, yeah. I'm I'm talking about like the North American pro leagues." I understand. Talk about like, real hockey. <laughs> let's be honest. Like SHL, get the hell out of here. SHL is a great league. Don't get me wrong, but it's but we can't near. watch it. Yeah, it's like not, I can't. I can't watch the 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 level of 
NHL or even AHL. I mean, it's kind of close to the AHL, but like you said, you can't even fucking watch over there. But Same with the KHL. It's like, yeah, grown man's league. Just can't watch it. Good luck finding a stream on, on the KHL. <laughs> Moscow Dynamo HC. <laughs> never. Even like crack streams or some shit, you'll never find any any kind of link for those games. But he had two assists his first two games, uh, three huge hits in those two games. I mean, he's a smaller guy, 5'9", but he's not afraid to throw the body around, which is something that we knew off the rip when he drafted him back in 2020. Scrappy. Scrappy guy, not afraid to throw his body around. Has the skill offensively, too. Look, I could see him quarterback in a power play, a second power play, with ease. I mean, he's really natural with it. I mean, he has, I think, one or two, I don't know if his two assists both came off the power play. I know one of them did. And he kind of had a catch with Forrest or a Brink. And it was just kind of natural to him. Obviously not as natural as York, somebody who I could see pow- uh, quarterback on power play on a first unit. But Andre, he's a guy, man. He's a guy. And I look at him and immediately get mad. Because I think of the Sandheim extension immediately, Danny. Yeah, it's it, it. We you had people in the pipeline on the way, but they felt some kind of urgency to just lock up every defenseman they acquire. <laughs> there are things at uh, and Chuck Fletcher's and Chuck Fletcher's tenure that you can look back on, especially draft wise, that could end up making him look good. But I mean, that Sandheim extension was one last fuck you contract to us, huh? One more just, I have no idea what I'm doing in contract negotiations. Uh, I'm going to hand this non-superstar eight fucking years. Like, the money he's not making isn't bad, but eight years during a time where I don't know what I have. I have one of my two deepest prospect positions is left-handed D and right wing. And I'm going to sign this, I mean, let's be honest, mid-defenseman. He's okay. For eight fucking years. When you have Cam York, who's better already at 21 years old. Andre. Zamula. I mean, even Hogberg. I mean, I don't see Hogberg taking a top four role. But I mean, it's, it's our deepest position in terms of prospects. Despite right wing with Brink and Tyson Forster and Allison and Tippett. And you, it's just, it never made sense, and it angers me the more and more I watch Andrea play. It, it really does. Yeah, it's just, it felt like Chuck and and company just never committed to one side or the other. Not to mention that he could have been a trade asset in the, on the trade. Did he tell me somebody wouldn't have traded some, a, a nice little something-something? You could have got that two, uh, 2023. Yeah, or last, last TDL. Yeah, any, last TDL. A, any TDL. You could have got that 2023 second-round pick back that you don't I'm, have. I mean, they talk about it every season. Every season is Provorov or Sandheim is going to get moved, and then it never happens, and then I see it, the rumor pop up again four months later. Wait, do you know Rinse my... Rinse and repeat. Do you know my favorite argument against trading Provorov is right now, currently going on? Who's going to replace his minutes? <laughs> I will. <laughs> uh, I'll get us that first overall pick. What minutes? Like, why are we sitting I here will. acting like he's playing elite I got minutes? this. Well, yeah, go ahead, Put Danny. me out there for 30. I'll get that pick. Honestly, you want to go play next to fucking York, dude? It can make you look good for a solid 20, yeah. 26 minutes. I mean, what are we talking about here? I don't, dude, I don't, we want to lose games. Yeah, like, we're not fighting for a playoff spot. Who's going to come in and play these tough minutes? York. Sandheim. Fuck, throw Andre up there. I don't give a shit. Like, 
we're, we're, these next couple years is to see who can play, not make a playoffs. Like, who, re- replacing what minutes? The garbage minutes that he's played for the last two, three years? Uh, like, like they, they act like he's Scott Niedermeyer. It's, it's not like it's these, these minutes are the most effective minutes. Like, I'm seeing Pro Rob get dusted sometimes, so. Dude, we're talking about, like, He's Eklund on the Oilers. Like, if we trade Eklund, who's going to replace his minutes to go to the playoffs with? Like, replace his minutes to go to a draft lottery with? Like, what are we talking about here, man? One like, of the defensemen need to go, and it's so clear now. And to back to Emil, he's a guy who always, like, falls under my radar. I, I kind of I forget about him for a second and then remember, and then I get excited when I remember him because, like we were saying, he could be a guy. And it just makes that logjam at defense make even more less sense like chuck must have just been panicking yeah that's I, I have no I, I have no idea because they rumor trades of these guys every single season but we know chuck was so scared to get any legit deal done if it, if it wasn't a uh, expiring bottom six player for a seventh then he was scared to do it so when you look at each player and you think about them as like as a whole which one do you look at and go I could see you turning it around if everything goes well kind of thing like who who could p- potentially fit on the on whole this team? team yeah like Provorov or Sandheim which one do you think could get back to playing the best they can I mean we've seen these guys both play really good hockey and obviously we've seen both of them fall off but which one do you see still has a chance to to kind of Make that comeback, if you will. I I would think Provorov, but it seems like he's the odd man out now with that deal given to Sanheim. Mm-hmm. So it seems like they're just kind of backed into a corner of it having to be Provorov to be moved. But I mean, I don't know. I'm not really a huge believer in either either one of yeah, them. Like either. I think it was just the the playoffs where where Provy showed up big and Sanheim just didn't. I think that was the differentiating factor in me looking and those two players differently. I mean, and not But it that, seems like Provrov's also not the best, uh, like, there's a lot made of, like, he plays 30 minutes a night, he's an Iron Man, he's, he's a savage, he's a tough dude, but there's always these reports coming out about his, like, personality and him not being great in the locker room, so I, I, I have no idea what what the team's gonna... Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, we we know for a fact that he's probably not the... the, 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 the <laughs> what am I looking for? Most likable? The most likable guy in that locker room. Um... But just in terms of their play on the ice, I, I don't think either one of them had made cases to be like, hey, look at me. I could potentially be a piece going forward. I mean, both guys have weaknesses in which you have to get a partner for them that really masks that weakness. You know what I mean? Like, Agreed. I'm not a believer in either one of them. And But when I look at it in that way, I think that maybe, and maybe I'm just saying this because of the contract, that you could get Sandheim to play his his puck moving, enter the offensive zone with speed, the way he can skate with a defensive defense, with a good defensive defense. And I don't, I don't mean Rasmus versus uh, Rasmus versus the line. I mean if you find the right defensive defensive partner for him, where he can roam around and and play the offense and shoot the puck the way he does. I mean he's been playing well the last couple of weeks. If you can potentially find a guy that can really help him get back to that game. Then I could see potentially moving Provorov because I mean you're going to get a nice little haul for Provorov if you dangle him. I mean I, I don't, personally I don't give a fuck about the whole who's going to replace his minutes argument because I think it's a bogus argument. I don't think it makes any sense. Yeah. It, I mean and we're yeah. 
I was gonna say to add something. Provorov after this season is gonna have two more years left on his deal at six point seven, and that that is just way more attractive to move than Sandheim's new deal. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so that's that's what just makes him the odd man out. Here that's now. a great point, actually. I mean, Provorov, who can be a really good second pair defenseman with the right partner on a good team at six. What's he make? Six seven. Six point seven five. Yep. For the next two years, is. 10 times a better contract than what Travis Sanheim's now. I absolutely agree. So, and Danny Briere that we trust. I mean, let's see what he does this offseason. There are options. Uh, hope, if you can't get a first for Ivan Provov, which I think you can, considering he's only, what, 26 years old? Yeah, 26 yep, years old. 26. On a great contract and could potentially play on a second pair and be very good. I want a first, but if not, get that twenty second, uh, twenty twenty three second back. Because it, not having one in this kind of draft, there are going to be guys available early in that second round that should have went in the first round. So I mean, I we need to hop back into this draft coming. Yeah, up. we we need to take swings like that this off season. Like that was Chuck Fletcher's downfall was the the inability to do anything meaningful. To make any real change, and Ever. I hope to see Briere just take some swings. I hope this summer we wake up some morning and we're like, oh my god, I can't believe that like, I wasn't even thinking of that deal, but I'm glad it happened. Like I just hope, as a fan base, there's ex- excitement again yeah. in the off season, and it's not just all doom and gloom all the time. And you go on your timeline, just uh, we're not going to get anything done. And I said it to you yesterday, Danny, or two days ago. He needs to. I mean, and I think he will. He needs to drop his balls on the table. And be like, this is not the Flyers that you have all have seen for the past decade. This is not this shitty front office that has no idea what they're doing for the last decade. I mean, obviously this is just a hopeful in me talking. But I really do think that, like you said, we're going to see a trade where we, holy shit, I didn't even think of that kind of thing. Like a package of Provorov and Kay Nekny for a 2023 first round pick and an A-minus prospect. Or something insane along the lines of, hey... I'm going to drop my balls on this table. This is my fucking team now. This is not the Flyers of the last 10 years. Let's fucking go. This is a new regime. I mean, that's yeah. hopefully, that's, that's what we want. That's what we want, obviously, as fans. And, and it would cement the direction. Yeah. Like, we're committed to the timeline. We're committed to being good, not right now, for once. <laughs> for not once. directly now. Yeah. Our focus is, is next year and the year after, and it's not right now for once. And that's nice. Because like, it's the, our only option. It, it feels like to me is we're going to do this right. We're not going to try to be good every year to appease the casual fan that wants to see the Flyers fight for an eighth overall spot in the playoffs. This is, no, we're going to build this team from the ground up the right way, get star players in here, build from the goalie up, which, I mean, the, the Hart rumors, we'll get into that if we should trade Carter Hart. But, I mean, this is really... I think Briere knows that this has to be done the right way, and it will be done the right way. So I'm excited to see what his first ball drop will be, if you will. <laughs> and if he makes the right moves, it's a team that it's likable. You can get behind. Like you, like you said, even if they're not making the yeah. playoffs, you can still watch. Even right now, I'm watching these games, and I'm I'm not upset. You know Exactly. Like these, Put- these are enjoyable to watch. Like I'm taking positives away from these games. Put me in a spot. Like the Detroit Red Wings. You know they're not going to make the playoffs. You know they're not a good team right now. Put them in a position 
where they have nice young prospects that are good that you can watch and get hopeful for the future and obviously not be the best team in the world. That's what I'm looking for. Like a Detroit Red Rings, a, an Ottawa Senators, even though the Ottawa Senators are kind of going for it and kind of shit in the bed. But you, you know what I mean. Just a younger team that obviously knows they're not good but are going to be good in a couple years. You know, it's just that kind of vibe. That's what I need. And it only takes one off season. It really does. To touch on the Ottawa Senators, it's very odd to me that they went they went for it right now. It's a weird mix of guys. I'll, I'll give you that. Yeah, it's like you get Stutzel, and you would think that they know that their what their timeline is. It's clearly not right now, but they seem a, they seem a bit confused up there. Yeah, like you got what Stutzel, who is twenty one years old, Breaker Chuck twenty three, and then you got G, who's thirty six, uh, Austin Watson is thirty one. Other young players come in. Yeah, it's a it's a weird mix, and then like obviously their defense is just fantastic. You got Shabbat, Chitrin, and then Sanderson. That is one hell of a left side of a defense. I mean, that might be the best left side, even though Chitrin can play both left and right. That is some probably top five best top three defensemen in the league. I mean, they're all under 26, too. Shabbat's 26, Chitrin's 24, and Jake Sanderson's 20. 20. So, yeah. It's a weird mix of guys. I don't know what they're doing. I would, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what I would do if I was the Ottawa GM. It's <laughs> But they definitely have tools there in their toolbox. They do, but That's like, for sure. You got Just weird G- timing. Yeah, you got Jeeves thirty five on a six point five deal for the next two years. So obviously you think you can win for the next two years at least. And then I guess after that window's up you just try to make a new window with Kachuk at twenty six with Sanderson at 23 with DeBrinkett. Hopefully he comes back at 20 because he's a, a restricted free agent. Hopefully maybe the Flyers put an offer shoot in for him. I don't know. Maybe Danny Breer drops his balls with that. <laughs> That'd be cool. But, yeah, just a weird mix of guys for sure. Yeah, it's just like much like the Flyers, the, their timeline is clearly years down the line. In the East, the Eastern Conference especially is just a powerhouse. Like you need to build your team right. Yeah. In order to have success, if it was the West, it'd be one thing. Like if we, if the Flyers were in the West, like in the Pacific, I I would say next year, who knows? Maybe Tippett and Frost <laughs> go off and they get an eighth seed. But the East is just so so ripped that you you gotta build it the right way. Like you gotta look at what the Devils did. Yeah. Like they just sat back and waited and lurked and lurked and lurked until it was their time. And uh, you can't half-ass it. Maybe Ottawa's just thinking, hey, we have a bunch of really young guys who are elite right now. If we have a couple older older guys who are who are good, maybe we can sneak into the playoffs and make some noise. But when those guys are like 25, 26 and in their primes, that'll really be the window. Who knows? Who knows? They have a yeah, lot of Honestly, mainly, it didn't really make sense from a Giroux standpoint, outside of being his hometown. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. But who gives a fuck? We're not Ottawa. Yeah. Let's go down the roster, and we're going to play a little game. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a name at you, and we're gonna say whether that player is gone or here to stay. <laughs> okay. All right, and we're gonna. Wait, are we being realistic about this, or is this like a want kind of no, thing? No, like, I is, want. This is realistic. Like, realistic is on this fucking team come next year. Okay. Obviously, we don't know because Briere could be a different demon, Danny. We don't know. Uh, Kevin Hayes, seven point one next three years. Uh, yeah, I have to say he's gone. Whether it's the rumors from Anthony that the Columbus Blue Jackets are apparently in on them. Yeah, it sounded like there was smoke there. And if, if they were interested at the deadline, why are they not going to be interested at the 
And we've apparently have been willing to eat at least half his salary. So hopefully he'll be gone. JVR, he's walking. He's gone. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about that after the trade deadline, the the, the botchery. But he'll walk. No worries there. Uh, Joel Farabee, he's here, right? He's here. Going to give him one more. No, not one more year, but like we're going to give him a full off season, a healthy off season to work out, get his body ready to go. Hopefully, have the same type of season that Tippett had. I mean, Tippett went into his off season and had a great, great, great summer, and then came in and had a a, a career year. So, Scott Lawton, interesting. I'm going to say no. That's my hot take. I think Lawton gets moved this summer. I think a team, a playoff team, is going to look at him and say, "You're 28 years old." You make $3 million until 2026. You're a great bottom sixer on my team. I think someone's going to make a move for him. And I'm going to give him up for like a second-round pick. I'll say, like, I hope I hope that happens. I just I don't think so. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, I, I hope. I guess I'm just – I'm so scarred from the Flyers falling through and not making fun, meaningful moves that – I just don't even envision it in my mind until it happens. But yeah, I mean, I, you're only moving him if it's a second or even a third round pick. Like I'm not moving him for anything less than that. But uh, Nick Delorier, he's here. Obviously, he can't yeah. be moved. Uh, Brendan Lemieux, who's a unrestricted free agent, who's basically playing for his NHL life right now. Do you think he comes back? Uh I do personally. Yeah I, yeah, I think that's where I'm hung up right now. I, I could see it because he's made the most of this. Absolutely, this he's looks fantastic, and he's and he like he fits the mold of a flyer. Let's yeah. be real; like he's just a pain in the ass kind of player. Like, and no hate on on McEwen, great dude, but ten times the hockey player, and way brings, more effective, and brings the like the same kind of snarl and and, and fights almost just as much. I mean, not, not just as much, but still fights. But just ten times better of a hockey player. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I do think he comes back. Kiefer uh, Bellows. Wait, what, one more thing on Lemieux. Like, yeah. I, I don't think with how quick he is and stuff like that, I don't think we've had that level of effectiveness in our fourth line since Tyler Pitlick, maybe. Yeah, it's been a lot. Like Scott Lawton. <laughs> yeah, when he was a bottom sixer. Yeah. <laughs> it's been years and years of him playing in the top six because we have nobody else to do it. Um. Uh, Kiefer Bellows. No. No, yeah, I think he's gone. He's, he's, a, he's a restricted free agent. I think he's absolutely gone. Noah Cates, absolutely back. Yeah. Uh, Morgan Frost. He's back. Yeah, I think he's back. I don't think there's any way they move on from him. I think the last two weeks was huge. And I don't think it was everything. Like I actually think they probably would have kept him regardless. But I, just, I think Torts is going to view him differently after seeing him kind of answer the, the call. Towards the end. And Briere loves him. Briere's had talks with him in the off season, stuff like that. Briere's a believer. I mean, you can't. This kid's probably going to score forty points on a bad team in his first first full real season. Real season. And it's not even a full real season because he spent twenty eight games with Nick Delorier, basically in in the Torts doghouse. Torts was going to the media after the game like, I want to see more. Yeah. I want to see more. He didn't and then, score on those two breakaways. Yeah. I, I want to see him. I'm like, what, dude? Like, you're and then he finally him. has a four-point game against the Coyotes and never looks back. Yeah. He's 32 points in the, next, in the 44 games after that. Yeah. I mean, since January 1st, 
well, I don't think it's directly January 1st. Last 36 games, he is first on the Flyers with 9 goals, 15 assists, 24 points. Lawton is second. Hayes is third. You, think about how many plays he makes that don't get finished. I know. I talk about it all and, the time. And this is year one. And it's a guy who who's shit on by the fans for so many years, Stumps. Like, it's, it's great to see. to see. And I I think the sky's the limit. I've always said he. I think he's one of the few prospects that we've had recently that decides his own ceiling. Not a lot of people can decide have the skill level to, to decide their own ceiling, but he could be as good as he wants to be. And I don't know what he's going to be in two, three years from now, but what I'm seeing right now is promising. And I love what Torch is saying about him so far. Like, I think before this. Before the last two games, Torch was asked about him, and he basically admitted that he was a little bit too hard on him earlier in the season and how he's being told from everybody in the organization that it's night and day from two years ago from where this kid is and how he's liking the progression that he's seeing. and Still not completely sold on him, obviously. And then, obviously, he was asked about him after the game last night, and he was, the goals are good, but I'm liking the stuff that he's doing away from the puck. I'm giving him more responsibilities on the PK and he's responding really well and just want to keep him, want to see him keep on improving. And it's just, I love that Torres is not admitting that he was wrong, but admitting that he needed to take a step back and just let these kids play. And it's something that he talked about when he was first hired and how growing through the years of being an NHL coach, he's really learned how to deal with younger players and how the younger player in the NHL is just completely different from 2004 in the 2000s. It's just, it's good to see that he's kind of backing that up in a way that he's kind of saying, like, hey, I came in here. I was told this kid had really high skill set. I wanted to see it right off the bat. Maybe I was a little bit too hard on it, too hard on him. But now I'm starting to see it, and it's it, consistently was the key word. So, and, and he keeps an open mind. He does. He does. It's nice I, to I see. Think it's that's the best quality out of him. I, I know our group chat has, has made some, some fuss <laughs> about if Tippett – had the nights Frost had, he'd be getting more praise. But I think whatever Torts is doing is working. Like, yeah. the, the way he's delivering these messages, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Frost is responding well. I mean, we've seen – he's been through the ringer here, and he's he's always responded well. Um, he doesn't need to be – doesn't need to be pampered. Whatever yeah. Torts is doing is working. Not once has he ever said anything to make you think that he was like, oh, fuck you kind of thing. Like, he got called a toilet seat and didn't say a word. Um, but I was talking to, to Derek about Frost and Torts earlier in the day. And I, I honestly, as uh, the more and more I read into this and read between the lines, I, I really do think it's Torts being told how skilled he is and being like, okay, I want to see it then. And then following that up and basically being like, I'm going to be kind of hard on this kid because I'm being told he's supposed to be this. And I want to see it. So I think it's kind of like him demanding the skill consistently out of Frost. And I think that's what we're kind of seeing now. And he's doing it in the way well, yeah, that well, we not we know the dick. Yeah. We know the organization thinks highly of him. Yeah. I mean, we, we've, even years back in the behind-the-glass thing, like for, they always say Morgan Frost is going to be a huge part of the future. And, yeah, like I agree. I think it was just like a, a matter of prove it. I like that he admitted that he might have been a little too harsh, but I think in the end it all worked. Yeah, it did. Like, Frost is a guy who he doesn't respond poorly to it. He, he was in a prove-it year, uh, a one-year deal. So he's in a prove-it year, and he's playing next to Nick Delorier for 30 games, and he's not bitching. But but Farabee, 
I mean, <laughs> he got knocked down for one game making $6 million, and he's leaking reports to his agent and blocking us on Twitter. I mean, it's... Yeah. I mean, I you got a point there, man. You got a point there. I think Fairby's going to bounce back, but that... I do, too. That's a tough injury to come back from. Absolutely. And the supporting cast is is it the best? And next year, if Couturier's back, all these guys are back. Konechny's playing all, all 82. Maybe Fairby. I could see it. I could see him bounce back. Uh, Wade sure. Allison. No. You think they trade him? Yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Lawton stays and Allison goes. Oh my gosh, he only makes like seven hundred eighty-five thousand dollars for the next year. I think you just keep him. I don't see the point in trading him. I really don't. Like, I just don't think you get the value out of him right now. It'll be a throw-in for something bigger. <laughs> I'll do it then. <laughs> if it's just like a one-for-one kind of dump, I don't get that. If it's just kind of hey, we are done with this player, we give up on him kind of trade, I don't agree with it. But if it's, like you said, for a bigger trade that I'm in. Uh, it's going to be Lawton, Allison, and a first for Ehlers. Oh, because we're the Pegs going to have a first-round exit, Danny. Konechny, actually. We're going to talk Konechny's about out. Winnipeg. Let's talk about, let's talk about Travis Konechny. Well, that's another guy. Like that that's a huge name. Yeah, that's a huge name to talk about in this uh Yeah, let's do it. Before Taylor who's probably not coming back, so we're going to have so, to talk about him. So what do you think? I mean, he's clearly our most attractive <laughs> asset, right? Yeah. Outside of uh, Carter Hart, maybe? Yeah. I mean, if we're counting Hart, yeah, outside of Carter Hart, for sure. He's definitely our most attractive asset. If like the most realistic. Cutter. Yeah, like the most realistic, like, could-be-moved yeah. trade asset, could get a good return. I'm what packaging, do you see happening? I'm, I'm packaging him and Provorov for something nice. I'm packaging him, him, packaging him and Provorov for a 22, 23-year-old young elite player that could play now and in 44 years when our timeline kind of lines up to when we want to win. That's what I'm doing. And I think first. that's the perfect way you move both of those guys. You combine them and you bring back a, a young, like bring back an RFA mm-hmm. who's going to be here and he's good. Trevor Zegras? Cole Caulfield? <laughs> nah, now I'm getting crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, they're restricted free agents, Danny. They're restricted... Free agents. Uh, dude, the Ducks, they're going to hold on to him. Yeah, I know, I know. Until he goes to the Rangers. Uh, but in all seriousness, I, I, I'm packaging Provorov and connecting, and I'm bringing back a, a, a 2023 first, an A prospect, and a second. Like, I want to fucking haul for those two. And I think that's, like you said, the right way to kind of kick off this quote-unquote rebuild and get value for these guys and get cap space. I mean, obviously, you're going to have to take on a bad contract if you're going to send both those guys. I mean, you're sending, what's that, $11 million over yep. to whatever team that you trade them to. So you're going to take back a bad contract. But obviously, when you look at the deal, you're going to look at the whatever pick comes back and whatever elite young player comes back. And that's essentially what I would do to kick this off. I, I don't yeah. think Travis can. you got to give to get, man. Yeah, I mean, does Travis Konechny line up with our timeline? Could he potentially line up? Yeah, I mean, he's only 26 years old. He could be 29, 30 years old. But, I mean, he he's due for a contract in 2025. And that's in two years, so he's 28. Are, are you giving him a seven-year deal in two years? Do you know where you're going to be at in two years? Uh, it just 
And on a really, really good playoff team, he's like a second-line right winger, which is not really that hard to find. I mean, you can find it on the trade the trade market. But, I mean, we're really looking for a, a first, an entire first line here. We're looking for a, a first right wing, a first left wing, and a 1C. But we might have that in Cutter Gauthier. We might have that in the 2023 draft, whatever we draft. But I just think Konechny plus Pro Rob for a first and an A minus a plus prospect it just makes too much sense in my opinion it seems like a move that would be tough for some fans to stomach in the beginning but when we finally come out on the other side of this rebuild Mm -hmm. we would look on this move like two three years from now and be like well i'm glad that happened like that played a big role in our turnaround because it can like the the, those guys have legit value like we've, we've just talked about it all episode you could cash in big time here and really pick your spot and pick the player you want It's go tough. for it. It's tough with Connecticut. It is tough. Because he's on a great contract for the next two years, and he's young. He's only 26. But it, like, he, he, he could definitely be on this team when we're good again and be on a decent contract. But, I mean... It, it just it boils down. Don't we don't have many, like, attractive assets on this team. Like, yeah. we don't have much value, like, true value. Like, we're going to get a haul for this guy. And he's one of those guys where you're like, all right, you might be able to get a good deal for him. Same with Provy. And that goes back to why we were talking about Sandheim last year during his uh, his his up season last season. Like that's why we were talking about moving him because you got to give to get. And yeah. when you are a bottom seven team in the NHL, you don't have much to give. And then you take in. I'm sorry to cut you off. You take in account how deep the right wing depth chart is with this team. And you got yeah, like it. you said, replaceable. Tippett, Brink, Allison, Forrester. I mean, you have a lot of guys on the right side. So I, mean, I think it makes way too much sense. He's got on a great contract. He's young. He could bring back an absolute load, especially if you're packaging with Provorov. Like you said, people, some people aren't going to be too happy about it. But I mean, I, I, I don't give a fuck because it makes the most sense for the future of the Philadelphia Flyers, and that's what I'm focused on. I'm talking as if I'm Briere, but I mean seriously. It what's it's what makes sense for the future of the team. Bottom line would make us lose more games immediately, and hopefully win more games two three years from now. All right, so that was all the forwards on the active roster. If we're not talking Couturier, which I don't, I mean it's pretty safe to say he stays. Um, Very uh, anxious about him. Yeah, I guess the word nervous. Like I'm. As you should be. But excited. If he comes back and he's he's Sean Couturier or even 90% of Sean Couturier, like, I'm very excited to see him just on the ice playing hockey again. But it's been a very long time. It's a very good player if he's at least 90% of what he used to be still. Uh, Cam Atkinson. He's the last forward that's injured right now that we could talk God, about. I, I forget about him, man. I really do. Sometimes I just... That's another right wing. Right yeah. winger. I mean, it's it's insane. I mean, obviously, some of these guys can play left wing. They're not all and like play. virtually the same production as well. Like you're <laughs> gonna the get around same this player, Danny. They're all second line, third line wingers. Forrester is probably gonna be a second line winger when if he hits the ceiling. I mean, his ceiling's first line, but I mean, if he's okay and just pans out to a decent NHL player, he's a second line winger. Brink is probably a third-line winger. Allison, we'll see what happens with him. But, I mean, there's just so much depth on that right wing. It's insane. So, are we saying 
whether we think I mean Cam is probably yeah here right yeah I think he's here to start the season and then if he has a good year you trade him at the trade yeah. deadline you flip him I feel that way with Tony D'Angelo oh yeah if Tony's well. not dead uh, if if Tony's not gone by the summer which I think there's a chance uh, trade deadline is absolutely going to be where he goes. A, yeah. a guy, an offensive defenseman on an expiring contract that's not that bad, who can help out on a power play. Absolutely. If we have a smart GM, which we hopefully will, uh, yeah, that makes too much sense. Definitely. Those two guys are definitely going to be gone by trade deadline if it isn't this summer. Um, defense, we already kind of talked about Provorov. Rasmus Ristolainen, he's probably saying they like him. Yep. Uh, Tony D'Angelo, we just talked about him. Travis Sanheim can't trade him. <laughs> like, yeah, you can't they, like, get rid of him. So. They put their chips on the table, and they put it on him. I'm looking at Cat Friendly right now. He goes from four six seven five million to 6.2 next year with a with a no-trade clause until 2028, 2027. That's awesome. My lord. Uh, Justin Braun, yeah, he's going to walk. He's gone. Cam York, he's your best defenseman. He's here. And then Nick Sealer. He's a guy who's having an up year for a 29-year-old guy. And he's Chuck's guy, and Chuck's not here. It's time. Bye-bye. No, I think he's here, if I had to guess. He's staying. Uh, I want him out, bro. $775,000. He's a nice little 13th defenseman. Cheat 13th defenseman. He's been good this year. Get that fifth rounder. (laughs) Daddy wants him gone. Get that fifth rounder and let's draft another QMJHL guy who's going to lead the league in goals. I'm with it. I'm with it. And then goalies, Hart, he's here. Urson, here. And then Sandstrom, I think he's a throw-in for a trade at some point this summer. I think they had too many goalies. I mean, they've been trying to get rid of Sandstrom all year. <laughs> like, the Torch has so. just never liked him. <laughs> it is weird, yeah? He had a good game last night, though. I know. I texted you. I was like, oh, Sandstrom is 1-10-2. and two. Unbelievable, and he, he puts up a master class. Danny, what would you do if Ryan Ellis came back next year? I know he's it's like 97% he's gone, but like, what the fuck happens if that happens? <laughs> like Bro, I think I said it a couple episodes ago. I was like, what if training <laughs> camp rolls around and he's like, you know what? I'm giving this a shot. And just like that, six point. Two five million is shredded until he leaves after game three. Yeah, but dude, you know how much it would piss us off if he came back and six point two was added, and he just immediately got hurt again. Yeah, he just takes away our money for all of camp preseason, and then after game three, he gets put on LTIR. I'm like, all right, thanks, kid. Not not that we were trying, to <laughs> thanks, win, kid. but I mean, I guess you helped us out in a way. Couldn't sign anybody, couldn't do anything because your money came on the books, and then, I, yeah, we, we owe a lot of this to to Ryan Ellis, like like Cutter Gauthier. <laughs> thank you, Ryan Ellis. You, yeah, you, you, that probably anchor. wouldn't have happened if Ellis stayed healthy, and then the Couturier stayed healthy last year too. I mean, there's just a lot of if ands and buts the last couple. Of, I'm I'm excited to stop looking back, Danny. I'm excited to look forward now. All the changes Agreed. that are happening. I'm excited to stop bitching about the past. There yeah, are I'm new excited. people here. Dave Scott is, is going golfing for forevermore, whereas from uh, Derek. So, yeah, there's nothing really to be miserable about no. right now. Right now, I mean, that they did change. they did everything that they they could do 
as a as a dumpster fire of an organization. They they made the right first steps. I agree. I agree. Uh, well, now that we've kind of talked all about Flyerland and everything that's going on there right now, we could talk about them winning games lately and kind of dropping back in the lottery. On but... on a straight heater, they're getting yeah they're getting points against Carolina. Yeah, I mean they won against the... Buffalo. They, they like they we were talking about it before the show. They broke the Florida Panthers. They like the Florida did. Panthers were in a playoff spot, lost to the Flyers, and then started trending completely downward. And dude, it's it's great to see because Florida, they're probably not going to make it this year, and we got their pick next year. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm going to be watching them like rubbing my hands, <laughs> evil laughing after every loss. Like good luck in that Atlantic Division, and uh, you guys, you guys really went for. Uh, with with that Claude Giroux trade, it's top ten protected too. So I, I want them to be bad next year, but not too bad to where they fall oh, in the that, lottery. Actually, that's that's kind of perfect because they will yeah. be in that that ten to twenty. I feel. Yeah, like, please be in the playoff race until like game eighty. That would be sick. Yeah, like right where they're at right now, I would take that next year. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent. But uh, talking about real quick, just the standings. Obviously, we've been winning the last handful of games. But, I mean, Derek said it best when I was having a conversation with him. This is Derek Dunn. Um, the time to really do this and drop into the top four was back in, like, December. There's no way in hell we're catching San Jose. There's no way in hell we're catching the Ducks. So top four is out of the question unless we win it in the lottery. So, I, like I said earlier on the show, I'm not going to get on here and, and bitch and complain about the winning because it's coming from younger guys. It's not coming from older guys. So, yeah, it's coming in ways that can be parlayed into greater success. Exactly. Like Mor- Morgan Frost getting confident, succeeding now. Like you know, all off season he's going to be hungry to get back out there. I'm excited to see him next year. And oh, and Tippett. Like and, all three, all all, all three. I mean, of all of, guys. yeah, all of them really. Like I'm I'm excited to see them respond to it because this is like a good confidence building year for those players. I agree, and I and like they're gonna get a good player in the draft, whether it's Oliver Moore, Andrew Kristal, Dvorsky, and Andre Shala. There are really good players in the top twelve. I mean, I I told you the rumor, I believe it was Friedman, or somebody else. I forget who it was, but it was uh, it was definitely a reporter saying like from whoever their scout guy they talked to. The top eleven to twelve of this draft are going to have first line players. That's how deep it is. I mean, obviously after that it falls off a little bit, but I mean we're going to get a guy that's hopefully a top line guy. Whether that's Oliver Moore, Will Smith drops to us, Benson, like one of these guys. And I, I really do think whoever's in front of us, if that whatever ends up happening, is going to go like Yzerman brain kind of like Galaxy brain. Like hey, we'll draft Cedar, who not a lot of. Top, pro, uh, top, not a lot of top scouts had there kind of thing, and then maybe a guy like Benson or Will Smith falls to us. I mean, we're going to get a player, good player, regardless. So, the time to bitch about that was really in December. Now it's just enjoy the young guys playing well. We're going to get a good draft spot, and then pro, hope and pray for the lottery that we jump up. Because usually the teams that jump up are around the five to seven spot. So, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm saying it's going to happen. Danny. There's a chance. I- I'll put it like this. I'm going to wake up May 8th and there- there's there's going to be butterflies. Like I- I'm going to be a- there's going to be hopeful. There's going to be a little hopefulness in me. 
I don't even want to sit here and be like, what would you do? Because I, I don't think we could yeah, sit here and yeah, explain. Yeah. So I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to go there. Let's talk about, <laughs> right before we finish up, let's talk about playoff races, uh, division races. Uh, obviously, Boston already has their division locked up. It's the most winning team in Boston Bruins franchise history. 57-12-5. and 119 points. Like, that mean, is absolutely insane. They have clinched their division. They're in the playoffs. They're going to be in the number one seed. Wild. I mean, wow. Fuck them, right? <laughs> They've been good since we were 11. 10. I don't know how they do it. Just when you think, like, they'll have a down year every now and again. And it'll be like, <laughs> oh, Krejci's going to go play over in, in his home country. Yeah. And they have a little bit of a down year. And that's just, uh, like... DeBrusque is asking for a trade. The cl- brings the trade, all, uh, uh, takes back the trade request, and then just keeps playing and putting up twenty goal seasons. It's just being a Boston fan over the last since my childhood at least is just must have been fun, huh? That organization is, I am the most jealous of that organization. Yeah, out of any, in the and, and and they're they're a hell of an organization too. Like the guys that are with, like the culture that they built, Bergeron and Marchand. Like they're like Marchand's obviously a scumbag on the ice, but I, he's honestly a good dude. So is Bergeron. Like they are two just stand up guys in the community, um, and like just always have said and done the yeah. right thing. Especially Bergeron. Bergeron is a good, good dude who I would want to be the face of my franchise ten times out of ten. He, he really is just a a great hockey player and an even better guy. So. I agree. There are. Do you, is there any way that you could pull up the the wild card race right now? Yeah, I got it up right now, actually. So you got uh, the Islanders and Pittsburgh in one and two of the the wild card spots. You got Pittsburgh three points behind the Islanders in first place, and then you got the Panthers three points behind Pittsburgh with the same amount of games. So hopefully the Panthers are in the same spot next year that they are now, like you said. Um, yeah, this need- feels like Pittsburgh's gonna clutch up. They're gonna they're gonna put together these big regular season wins down the stretch, and they're gonna get in. Well, do you know why I need Pittsburgh to do that, Danny? Why we is talked that? about it because if they don't and they miss the the playoffs and they somehow get into a lottery spot, <laughs> oh I've had nightmares. God. I've had nightmares. Oh my mother! I've had nightmares that they've won the lottery and I have never watched hockey again. If they win the lottery and get Bedard, I would legitimately. Not Dude, like there's no way. Like, is it what was it, a point oh three percent? There's no way. Like you said, I would. It'd be a Phillies podcast for sure. I would never watch hockey again. Absolutely, and I, I don't even think they would be in a in a lottery spot if they were out. I think you have you have to be top ten to be in a lot. Or is it? No, it's top fifteen, right? Top thirteen, twelve. Third, uh, somebody uh, like. It's like the thirteenth team can only move up to two, I think, and but the twelfth team can get up to one. I don't know. Well, I know you can only what move up three spots. I oh think? no, no, t- ten spots. I'm sorry. Yeah, as I say, I think you can move up oh, ten. I got it right here. It is sixteen teams. Sixteen teams. So, right now Nashville would be in the lottery, and where is Nashville at? Yeah, so if Pittsburgh didn't make the playoffs, they would have been in a lottery position. But like you said, they would have like 0.003% chance. But I don't trust it because it's all yeah. fucking rigged. 
It, it is, dude. I watched The Devils. Last year was so annoying. <laughs> it really was. Like we, we, we watched those last 15 games rooting for losses, and we were like, yes, we got the bottom four. Let's go. Almost got the bottom three. All, just for the Devils to leave progress. Like, and they're not only good this year, but they're going to be really, really good for a very so long annoying. time. I mean, they have Nemec, Nemec in the shadows in the AHL. Luke Hughes over in Michigan playing in the Frozen Four right now. And then they're going to get whoever they get this year. But, I mean, like that is an absolutely stacked defense uh, prospect pool. I mean, what the fuck? It's just ridiculous. They, I mean, I hate the Devils. I, I really do. Uh, and then the wild card race in the West. You got Seattle in the one spot. And then Winnipeg. Winnipeg in the second spot with Calgary right on their ass. Two points behind them with the same amount of games in hand. So, Winnipeg, again, fighting and clawing for a playoff spot despite having the roster that they have. I, I talked about it yesterday. In, in a weaker conference. Danny. Than, I, than the East. How the fuck do they continue to do what they do? What is wrong with the Winnipeg Jets? I don't understand. Gotta be a locker room issue, right? I mean, yeah. They have $768,000 in projected cap space. They are going for it. I mean, the the amount of elite players they have on good deals. I mean, I'll go down the list. Blake Wheeler, 8.25 for the next year. Kyle Connor, 7.1 for the next three years. Mark Shifley, 6.1 for the next year. Ellers, $6 million for the next two years. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a restricted free agent, but he was making $6 million this year. And then you go to their defenseman. Josh Morrissey, who's a, 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 oh my gosh, one of the best defensemen in the league. I'm sorry about that. Makes 6.2 for the next five years. Like, they have some of the best contracts in the league, and they continue to do How nothing. much does Hellebuck make? Hellebuck makes 6.1 for the next year. <laughs> like, they're, I don't they're, understand they're it. Like, yeah, they should, especially in the West, like, they should be a lock, man. They really should. I like I, if I and like their fans deserve to have a good team too, so it honestly it bugs me because I mean I said it to you on on text I like watching Winnipeg Jets playoff games when it's all white and the especially the that one year where they even where they were really good and went to the Western Conference Finals yeah. with the with Line A and like the that sea year of, was so much fun the sea of white is always so cool to see like I love the Calgary Flames when the whole arena is like they're, they're, they're the, the flame red it's it's always cool to see playoff teams do that it's just it's a shame because Winnipeg has a really good fan base and Josh Morrissey is on an insane 6.2 million. he makes the same amount as Travis fucking Sanheim and he's in the running to win the Norris I mean he's not going to win it but I mean he's going to be runner up or the third guy, and he makes the same amount of money for the next, almost the same amount of years as Travis Sanheim. So, just a bit of perspective there for you, Danny, about how fucking bad that contract is. Side note, look at Calgary and Florida, both in the same exact spot in their respective <laughs> conferences, just <laughs> one out of the wild card, and when both of them made, uh, I mean, huge decisions and moves in the offseason with each other. Yeah. And it looks like both of them are scratching and clawing yeah. for to get that identity back that they had last season. Well, Calgary can't score, 
but have a like a, a competent defense and it's look the at Huberto's numbers. I know, dude. I know. That's wild. And then Kachuk is like top five in the league in points. I think we're top ten. Yeah, he's top five. He's ninety-seven points. I, I I said it to you. Florida definitely won that fucking trade. Definitely won yeah, that but trade. Like, they definitely declined, though, as well. Oh, for sure. But, I mean, I think it's going to be easier for Florida to go forward than it is for Calgary. I, I, I just... Huey was a good know, like, player, but... That was the only time in my life that I've seen the Florida Panthers be good. <laughs> Straight up. Just being real. <laughs> Was, uh, like three didn't like squeak into the playoffs like three years ago or four years ago. Yeah, I think and they played like the Capitals. I think they yeah. went the distance with them. Yeah, and it wasn't it, it wasn't that bad of a series either. But it is pretty. I mean, Matthew Kachuk's twenty five years old, dude. Like, dude, no, he's phenomenal. I would love him ridiculous. on the Flyers. Like, dude, he is the prototypical. Like, if you were to go into a fucking lab and make a Philadelphia Flyer down to the fucking minute detail. Out would come Matthew Kachuk. Like yeah, you take dude, an, you take into account the modern game and like the skill needed for the modern game, and you just Matthew make Kachuk's like Kachuk's walking out of that fucking laboratory, bro. The, the like, jersey would go crazy too. Nineteen so Kachuk. I get the fanatics want to get four of them. It'd oh, be all that's another thing we gotta talk about: the NHL signing with fanatics for the te- next ten years as their jersey people i guess you could say <laughs> listen as a flyers fan i'm not buying a jersey anytime soon <laughs> and i haven't for quite some time but it, it, it is funny that the nhl did this like, it's just another out of touch thing that they did do you know what's up with the fanatic hate like I, I understand some people have gotten bad orders and stuff like that but i mean that happens with everything is there like an actual thing that has happened with fanatics or is this just like a hey they're overall just shitty yeah i think it's just like the the percentage of people getting like bad orders is high. I guess that I, I don't, I've never gotten a bad one, honestly. I mean, I've never ordered from too much, but I've never gotten a bad one personally. But like I've seen jerseys get the numbers flipped for players. Like I would yeah. be mad as fuck if that happened. To me. <laughs> I saw like a, a Nashville Colton Sissons jersey that like the Sissons was upside down. Oh no! Like. <laughs> Yeah, not a good one. The Tippet, the Tippet one, forty-seven. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was talking about. Forty-seven. That one's funny, dude. You automatically think of Andrew McDonald when you see that, dude. So I would automatically start getting mad if uh, that happened to me. But I think that's I think that's everything until until next week until we start winding down on this season, Danny. Final. One more, ready? Who is your Stanley Cup winner? Oh, oh shit. You threw that on me right that, didn't you? Crazy. Yeah. I can I can say mine. Give you some time. Yeah, to think go ahead, go want. ahead. We'll talk about that. I'm going. I'm going. And dude, this could age. This could Ooh, age terribly. I'm going say- to Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, they have that tough test round one against Toronto, and it's gonna be a tough test. Don't get me wrong. It's probably gonna go seven. But if you get through that, if they if that sleeping giant gets through that series and wakes up, I think it's wraps. Dude, My that, personal opinion. I could see them. They just flip a switch. I remember watching yeah. all of their games the last three, four years and just being amazed at their, like, just ability to win. When it just flip that switch and make the right plays when it matters most, like, backs against the wall, double overtime, but still just always finding a way to win. It, it, it's, it, so, it, it's so it, hard to do in hockey, especially with the way the puck bounces. Like, 
in basketball, whatever, the Golden State Warriors, they, they have their formula to win. They can win for it. But in hockey, it's like the puck can just bounce the wrong way. So it's so impressive to see, like, just how consistent they were throughout those years. They didn't lose a series for, like, almost three years. I know. And it's it's just hard to bet against them. Like, when it all comes down to it, it's just simply hard to put your money against the Tampa Bay Lightning. And when you asked me that question, that was the first team that popped up in my head. But just to be different from you, just so I don't give the same answer, I don't think it's anybody from the West. Like, I think Colorado's still a good team, but I think they took a, a significant dump in depth, if you will. Like, if they get Landeskog back, maybe Colorado. But I'm going to say Boston, dude. I just think they're too good. Top and, to bottom. And they've been knocking on the door for what feels like 10 years and just gotten so close. Yeah. And it... it it definitely feels like one of these years is is gonna be Boston's, but what's going to say? I just in, in hockey it's tough because like there's always like that President's Trophy curse, you know, like yeah. the, the best regular season team never wins, like never. so it's it's tough to go out and pick them, but it's definitely a great pick. I was gonna say Carolina, but then Shevchenkov went down with that torn ACL, like that really took a a hit on me thinking that they, they're going to go far because they got a really good team, too. Like, I don't think the Devils, they're too young. I don't think the Rangers, Toronto, that would be a sleeper pick. But, I mean, yeah, it's like Tampa, Boston, and the East. And then, like, the West doesn't impress me. Like, I, like, I don't look at any team in the West where I'm like, uh, maybe Dallas. I could see Dallas going to the Cup again. Like, unless the Oilers did what they did last year up until when they, they played Colorado, I, I don't... I mean, it's I should tough. say, oh, the fucking, I'm sorry to cut you off. I should say the Oilers. I mean, I made a, a tweet like a month ago about who I think the the Stanley Cup pick was going to be with all of our followers. I, I could see. I said Edmonton, so. Edmonton and Toronto are actually, I would say, like the, my two sleepers. Ooh. Like, sleeper sleepers. Like, if they get hot, watch out type sleepers. But it's a believe it when you see it, you know? I, so. mean, I, I mean, Edmonton went to the Western Conference Finals last year. I mean, they have arguably yeah, they, a deeper team now. I mean, they got Eklund. No. And they they like they looked great up until and even in the Colorado series like that that Colorado team was just amazing. But up at that playoffs last year they looked great and it was fun to see uh, McDavid on the big stages scoring big goals, Dude. OT goals. Can I change my answer? I'm gonna say the Oilers because I, I like that, it. That, that was my original answer like on Twitter and I don't know why I, I mean let me go over their lines real quick. Because I really think they're just so much more of a deeper team now. And they went to the Western Conference Finals last year. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, Connor McDavid, Zach Hyman. Unreal. Evander Kane, Leon Dreisaitl, Kyler Yanomoto. Unreal second line. Warren Fogel, Nick Bustad, Matthias Janmark. Very solid third line. Clint Claston, Devin Shore, Derek Ryan. Don't know too much about those players, to be honest with you. But, I mean, I'm sure that's a fine fourth line. Doesn't have to be a crazy fourth line when you have a top two line with Leon Drysdale and Connor McDavid on it. Um, and then their defense is Dale Nurse, Cody Cece, Matthias Eklom. I think that's the big difference in them this year. Matthias Eklom, Evan Bouchard, Brett Kulak, and then Vincent – I don't know how to say his name. I'm not even going to say it. Vincent D is where I'll say. Just deep, Danny. Deep. And you have the best two best players. Yeah. In the world. <laughs> I was just gonna say, and you have two guys that, if they decide they're not losing, they're not losing. Like Leon Drysaddle, 
was unreal last year in the playoffs, and I'm pretty sure he played on a broken ankle. So, and and the strength of the conference, like I think whoever comes out of the East is going to go through a complete gauntlet of series. I think <laughs> every series in the East is going to be a tough matchup. Like there might be a couple that go five or six, but I could see like a lot of these matchups that I'm I'm seeing right now from the East. Like I could see like a lot of them go in the distance, and. Yeah, definitely. In the West, like I, I could see the Oilers drawing a matchup that maybe they win in five, and McDavid just makes it look, e- and those two make it look easy. I, I don't. Maybe they're fresher when that time comes. But like you said, like just two guys who they're the best in the game. Mm-hmm. So if you get them to that stage, you get them to the the Stanley Cup Finals, and they decide oh, I'm I'm not losing. Fuck you gonna do? Like, it's like that's why they're so dangerous. And especially in the East, there is going to be a very multiple, multiple teams that are going to be golfing after the first round. So I mean, these first oh, round yeah. games are going to be crazy. Wars. They're going to be wars. A lot of injuries on these teams by by the second, third round, probably. I'm looking I forward mean, to playoff hockey, man. I'm looking forward to getting this off season started, watching good playoff hockey, and then starting fresh, man. Not looking back, Danny. Not looking yeah. back. The Metropolitan, like, down the stretch here, like, Carolina's only up three points with a division lead. Like, New Jersey could slip in, but if they don't, that's New Jersey versus New York round one, which Ooh. historically is always insane. Toronto, Tampa, insane. And then let's say, like, Toronto slays the dragon and gets through Tampa. Boston later on, insane. Like, it's, it's just it's drama up and down. I, I I I still look at Boston's record and, and genuinely get mad, but that'll be for another pod. I can't believe they're that good. Pisses me off, man. Goal differential plus a hundred and seventeen. What? Imagine just being a fan of a team like that. <laughs> I know. Like you're just tuning in. Like I would just be the happiest motherfucker ever. Like swear to God, I'd be waking up texting you like, dude, I can't wait for seven <laughs> yeah, o'clock tonight. I, know, I, know, I just dude. can't wait. I miss the feeling of. Who Literally do we got doesn't count- matter. Yeah, like counting down the hours to game time. I miss that, dude. I can't comprehend. I, mean, I can't even begin to tell you how much I miss doing that. Yeah, I miss just, yeah, that being hyped. Like, I miss, like, that feeling before, like, the puck drops when you see, like, all the intros coming on the screen and you're like, all right, here we go. Yeah, dude, Big going- game right here against the Capitals at home. TNT, let's go. Miss going out on like a November Tuesday at like six thirty and just having that 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 fall breeze hit me like yeah I'm about to go out inside and watch some fucking hockey dude some good hockey haven't haven't felt that feeling in a while Danny hopefully next season hopefully we'll like get said, back they, to they, it. They, they don't even have to have a playoff team next season they just have to make the right moves yeah commit to your direction show me you then, know what you're doing yeah I agree I agree. That's a good one, Danny. Episode 93? Yep. You can follow us at the Liberty L on all socials. At TLY Danny for me on Twitter. At uh, Chris Stumps for Stumps. Go Floor.